Hey there, and welcome to Ascend and Conquer, a brand new podcast where we talk all about ascending and conquering whatever it is we want to ascend and conquer. These two words hold so much depth, and we all receive and perceive them differently. What do they mean to you? Join Tina Marie weekly along with special guests for a certified fresh episode that we hope will enlighten, revolutionize, give new perspective on life, its obstacles, and how to overcome them. Michael, how have you been? Oh, I've been doing great. How about you? Doing, you know, awesome as always. Every little step of the journey of life leads you Mm -hmm. to a better step if you take the proper steps. Well, good, good, good for you. Good for you. I hadn't spoken to you in such a long time. God, it's got to be six months at least. I know. You look great. Well, thank you. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> you look good too. You look good too. You know, Thank um, you. yeah, God, I think the last time we spoke was maybe Christmas or something. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. It was sometime around Christmas because I remember saying something completely off the wall <laughs> related to probably Krampus or whatever you want to call him. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, uh, things are good down here or up here. Actually, I'm I'm north of you, I believe. You're oh. um, so yeah, things are good up here. Things are yeah. good up here. And good old I'm normally talking to people from all over the country, so I have to decide if if if, if things are good up here, down here, or out here. Yeah. So no, um, yeah, things are going well. You know, um, that's right. That's right. And, you know, things are starting to open up again. And I got my people back out there. We had our first show the other night, uh, the foul players of Perryville murder mystery company. And yeah, yeah. And we had our first show. It was on Maryland party boat. Maryland party boat is a, not a shrimp boat. It's a real big boat and it's parked. It's uh, docked down in uh, middle river, Maryland, uh, which is east of Baltimore city. And it was, it was a nice cruise. We took the other night. We had a good crowd for a murder mystery show and we had a lot of fun. And I was glad to finally get my folks out there working again after 15 months. Yeah. It was right before they, they shut things down in March was our last show. And it's been a, it's been, um, it's been great coming back. You know, I've got all my folks. We're starting to blow the rust off and do some rehearsals. And we've all been getting together for dinner and, you know, having some reads and that sort of thing. And um, we have, uh, let me see, um, a number of shows. The phone's been ringing off the hook, awesome. which has been great. So I've got plenty of work for my folks and more and more keeps coming in. So I really can't complain. I really can't complain. And people are eager to get out and see each other instead of doing all these uh, Zoom things, you know, so people actually have to wear pants now. Oh, boy. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, um, people were anxious to get out. They were very complimentary of us. They thought we did a good show and they had a good time. And that's what it's all about. So I'm, I'm very happy right now. Very happy right now. And I can see it on your face. You're just like simply glowing. I mean, <laughs> It went from me watching your fantabulous reel and dying on the ground at the hands of who in Gotham? Oh, Mr. Penn. Mm, Mr. Penn and uh, Mr. Scarface. Yes. So 
pretty amazing uh, transformation that I'm seeing before my own eyes because I just yeah. watched that again about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that was a great time too. You know, uh, Gotham. I gotta say, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again and pick three different people to make my network TV debut with, I wouldn't because those three guys were just the greatest. Um, when I first got to the studio and I'm like, Holy cow, welcome to the pros. Look at this place. You know, um, Andrew Sellen knocked on my door and I turned around. I was like, it's Mr. Penn. Holy cow. And you know, he, so he was, uh, we were, we got talking and I tell you, he is just, he is just a sweetheart of a person. Uh, Andrew Sellen. Um, he greeted me. He said, welcome to the family even though it was the very last episode filmed. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I got in on the tail end of it. I got in on the tail end of it and I did a whole interview with him. Um, I've actually had him on the show because there's a lot of people there are the Gotham on Twitter is like a religion and there are people all over the world and all these different languages that are fans of Gotham and they remembered me, you know, they, when they got on there, like, Oh my God, it's Dale. Hey, I'm like, Hey guys, you know, and I, I, I spoke to a lot of them and, and the, 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 uh, the Gotham community on Twitter is just great. You know, they, they want the show to come back and they're very, they're, you know, rallying. I mean, there's thousands of people and they're, you know, they're making Gotham trend on Twitter. Have you been a part? Have you I have been. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I'm still, I'm still trying to understand how to use Twitter correctly. Um, I don't know if I look okay or if I look like a goob, oh, but come I, on. I think I'm starting to use it correctly. And I've, I've made a couple of, um, you know, a couple of, I've had a good couple of, uh, friends that I've made, you know, just people interested in Gotham and I've spoken to them and shared stories and they've just been great to me. Just very, very nice. Even though I was, you know, just, uh, at the very tail end of the show, um, you know, they're very nice. And I've been sharing their hashtags and hashtagging stuff and forwarding stuff. And they've been, uh, they have like a big rush on save Gotham. They even hashtag save Dale, which was my character. So, wow. Dale, hey. AKA Michael Spedden. That's right. For That's those right. of you just now tuning in or maybe hitting the fast forward button, because sometimes I play music entirely too long at the beginning of anything. This is Michael Spedden. He's an amazing actor. Great guy, just all around fun dude. That's he's got a lot of talent under his belt. And well, thank you, yes. thank you. I appreciate that. But the uh, the Gotham uh, the Gotham folks there that's that's a really that's a special kind of fan right there. Um, and they are just very very um just into these characters, and they're very uh they just follow the show. And I would have to say they're probably. I mean, with their dedication and just knowledge of the show and everything, um. Like years ago, there were uh, Trekkies, you know, Star Trek folks, yes. and they could name every episode. They could name every monster. They could name every planet that Star Trek landed on and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. And that's how these folks are. You know, they're very, very dedicated wow. and they love these characters. And, um, you know, I. I really, I mean, I was just amazed by the set. I was amazed by the crew, amazed by the folks that built the sets and did all the effects yeah. and the hair and makeup folks. And everybody was yeah. just, it was just, you know, welcome to the pros. You know, that was a top of the line. Um, that was a top of the line production there. And, um, you know, I was very honored to have been part of that, you know, and, you know, so I'm hoping that we that, that they bring it back. You know, I mean, I died, but 
I think the average character on Gotham died like 4.3 times or something like that. If you watch the show, you know, there were so many people that, wait, he's not dead. Oh, oh, okay. Anything is possible. Dale rises from the dead. I hope so. I hope so. That would, that would, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Um, Bring back Dale. You know, um, yeah, but on on a serious note too, um, and this is actually kind of sad not to deflate the mood, um, but actually, you know, one of my foul players, actors, uh, uh, Greg Crow, uh, we lost him back in February, um, but he was also on Gotham. Uh, he, he did Gotham as well. He was on the season before me, and he played um, a guy in a bar eating pickles, and Poison Ivy got offended by it because he was oh, eating yeah. a plant. You know, the pickle is a cucumber. It's a plant, and she killed him. But um, that was great. I really, you know, I, we were proud of him, you know, because he had been doing a lot of great things too. Greg Crow, we're going to miss him, you know, yeah. like crazy. And since we're getting ready to start the season out on the train in Cumberland, he was actually from Cumberland, um, Western Maryland. That's out near the panhandle of yeah. Maryland. That's right. You lived around here. You you knew that. Oh, I D- think. D.C. area. D.C., so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So close to the Cumberland area. Yeah. Yeah. I you're not, not far. Yeah. Now I'm in a different part of panhandle type stuff. Yes. Yes. You're, you're in a, you're a, a, in a different region. You are, you have, um, you, you've been quite the nomad most of your life. I believe too. You've moved around quite a bit. Haven't you? Yes. Always a gypsy. Michael, are you interviewing me on my show? Oh, I don't know. I'm just making conversation, my friend. No, you know? no I'm having a, this is funny. This is a great time. So, okay. <laughs> let's, let's go back a little bit to your, um, the manager that you work with your agency, you want to tell, uh, give them a shout out. Yes. Uh, CPM talent management out of Voorhees, New Jersey. My manager's name is George Ann Brusesi, and she is just wonderful. She is just wonderful. You know, uh, my wife has been represented by her, um, that, that company, um, you know, gosh, I guess Teresa has been there. She's got it. She has to be there at least 10 years. Cause I've been there for three. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's yeah. She's been there long, for a good while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I had been acting for a number of years. I kind of converted over from playing in bands and being a musician Yeah. and I just started doing some theater and I just started getting asked to do things. And, you know, I, I went to audition for this. Um, I, I went in and I gave it my best, but I was also just kind of braced for the fact saying that, you know, this may not happen, but, you know, just give these people your best because they're giving you a shot. And then they signed me, you know, and I was right like, away, wow, okay. right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They signed me. Well, I mean, I got the contract like three months later, but wow. it was official. And, nice. you know, and since then uh, I've been, you know, working and doing different projects and always trying to polish my craft, you know, I'm right. studying uh, with a fellow named Barry Papik out of Los Angeles, who was wow. um, who had studied out of the uh, actor's studio in New York. And he's been living in Los Angeles for a while now. And we have our lessons over Zoom and he's amazing. Um, I'm learning the method from him. And this is just amazing stuff. I really like him. And method so acting or yeah. talk about the method of acting. Uh, method acting. Oh, and you're getting that's into what they, method acting. Yeah, that's what they taught at the uh, actor studio. That was nice. um, that was a Stranislavski, and then it was like Lee Strasberg and um, Adler and and the rest okay. of them there. Um, you know, it, it's really, I've really learned a lot, and I've really benefited from it. Right. Um, 
you know, in doing this here. And, and I approach things that I do a lot differently now since I've been studying with him too. You know, I, I'm a lot more understanding of what I'm doing. You right. know, um, I mean, a and lot of the things new. that I got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that I got in the past was because I was big or some people thought I was scary looking or funny looking or something. I don't know, but um, I you know got parts for that, but you know, I, I can't say honestly that I ever went into an audition and knocked the socks off of anybody or brought tears to anybody's eyes or, you know, I've well, never been okay. barraged with roses being thrown on stage or anything like that. But <laughs> if we were, yeah. okay. If we were to barrage you with roses at this very moment, what would you do for us? It's the talent show of your life, Michael. Michael Spedden. I'd probably stick a rose in my teeth and do like a Spanish tap dance. That is the perfect answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And then I give the rest of them to my wife. Oh, that. Oh, you just did that. Good. You know what? Just check marks. A plus 100 percent across the board for Michael Spedden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank okay. you. Thank you. Yeah. So like, do you have a go to monologue or performance or act that you do for when you're auditioning for anything? No, no, I don't. Um, I don't. That, that's I don't audition a lot for theater. Um, that's more or less. That, that's something that you do a little more commonly in theater, having like Absolutely. your book of musical songs and a monologue, uh, dramatic or comedic or something like that. Um, what I have, is, I just pretty much go with whatever sides they send me and audition yeah. with those and or a script for voiceover or something like that. And just use what they send me. Um, I haven't developed a book yet. Though I should, though I should. You should. Yep. Um, Another thing, too, it was just a couple of weeks ago. It was the one year anniversary of the release of Kimmy versus the Reverend. I am such a huge fan of the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. When I saw those pictures, Michael, I almost died happy (laughs) because I was so proud of you, first of all. But also, I just love the entire series. Love that woman. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. Sidekick. They're just amazing actors, unbelievable talent, can do everything. They can do everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, what was that like? Oh, God, that was amazing, too. Um, I went in and auditioned for it, and I was studying um, with Jill Stern at the time. Um, I study um, with her. Um, what I study with Jill Stern, and she's out of New York, okay. is um, I study – technique to audition for on camera mm-hmm. um you know uh preparing for auditions and things like that because she could really polish your audition technique up and that's something that's very, very important nice. because oh, you have yeah. to make your auditions good um and she's she worked with me a lot to prepare for that audition with um just um you know i was the bartender you know so she had oh, yeah. me yeah, the people, you know, Kimmy and um, uh, Kimmy and Titus come into the bar. And, you know, what's the uh, hillbilly bartender say, you know? <laughs> I needed a great job, too. Let me tell well, you thank that. You. Yeah. Can I help you, strangers? You know, can I help you, strangers? You know, <laughs> there was something oddly aggressive, but also like cuddly bear type vibes from that. <laughs> because you, you yeah. looked at them and you were like. Uh, you were standing in a booth and then mm-hmm. the next scene cuts with you cuts to you behind the bar. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, by that point, did, you know, sometimes in theater or in uh, any kind of film, they switch things around. And so like the bar might come first or vice versa, mm-hmm. which was shot first. Was it shot in order? 
Yeah, it was shot in order. It was shot okay. in order. Were you um, close by then? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. Well, um, I was a, a principal. Yep. So I got to go to the VIP tent and I was with uh, Kimmy and uh, Titus, um, you know, Ellie Kemper. And his name is actually Titus, too. Um, oh, really? Yeah. His real I name is Titus as well. Out. Yeah. And and the other gentleman that we were with um, was you may have recognized him. He was the one who was talking about um, his name was Paul Laser. Paul Laser. And that you familiar. may Okay. Um, Silence of the Lambs, the guys that were playing chess with the Beatles. Yes. That was him. That was okay. him. And he was the one who was talking about saying, um, yeah, I recognized him from Kroger. And there's something wrong with the crows in this town. Yeah, that guy. Um, he was a nice guy, too. So we were in a couple of the other fellas, too. Um, we, we were in the VIP tent. And okay. um, I didn't get a chance to really talk to Tina Fey very much. Oh, no. You know, but she was standing the whole time when I was doing that. You know, Can I help you, stranger? She was like She's right going. where the shot cut off. She was standing right there watching you. Tina Fey yep. was watching you, yeah. Michael. That yep. is amazing. And um, she came over I and mean, she gave me a pat on the back and said a couple of things to me, but I didn't get a chance to talk to her at length. And. Because that was a very, very, we were on a very, very strict time because right. that was an actual working bar. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. And we had wow. to be finished up that day. And I think they actually wanted to open for business that night. So, oh, wow. Really? Um, we were there filming the whole day, but I, I made a good friend on that set too. Um, uh, Kevin Hawkins was the actual bass player. That band that was up there was actually a Leonard Skinner tribute band. Oh, they were called Leonard Sons Skinner. of Skinnerd. And they were based in Long Island, New York. Awesome. Um, and they're a really good Skinnerd tribute band. And they're very popular. They have a big following up in the uh, Long Island area. And I've had Kevin on my show, too. Have uh, Kevin really? Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, tell us about your show a little bit while we're on the topic of your show. Since we're, we're right well, here, Kevin Hawkins, super cool. Yeah, I had, I started my show. I wanted to do this for a while. And I did another, I was on a show with two other folks back in like 2015, 2016. And that didn't last real well because we kind of had two different visions. And, and plus I was like 15 years older than those guys. So their idea of a fascinating guest in mine was completely different. So I started my own thing in 2018 foul players radio, which I named after foul players of Perryville, my murder mystery group, you know, kind of like they had, like they had second city and then second city TV kind of had that idea with this. And the reason I started my podcast, um, I, was playing music one night. I have an acoustic duo called the uncle moldy show. And we sing silly original songs that people either love or hate. And, um, <laughs> we think we're funny, you know, and that's really the main thing. I guess that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So all that matters. we read it. We were at an open mic and this was probably, Oh God, about 2007, 2008. And now there were bands from this region weren't they didn't become rock stars but within maryland dc virginia delaware they were like the rolling stones big area you know? though big yeah, area big big area um these were bands like crack the sky the ravens face dancer child's play mystic force um boot camp uh dc star of course and 
you know, they were very big in this area and they would tour with and support national acts from time to time, but never really, you know, became you know, big, big stars, but had decent careers. And right. so we were at an open mic one night, an acoustic open mic. And I was there with the guy that I play with, Johnny. And, you know, a couple of uh, younger fellows were running it. And somebody that was in one of those bands was there. And I'm not going to mention names to embarrass the person or anything. But then, yeah, he was in there, mm-hmm. came in, signed up, and we were watching people and waiting. And one of the hosts said, We'll put you on after that old guy over there. And I was just like, I did one of those things like that. What, what, what? You know, it's like that old guy. What that old you know who guy that is? Who said that? I it, one the... of the hosts, because they didn't know him. They didn't oh, know who wow. he was. Jeez, and I was like, people hosts. I was like, do you know who that is? And I'm not going to say who it was, but I started thinking to myself, I was like, we have got... We have had some great bands in this area, you know, the Baltimore, D.C. area. Baltimore and D.C. were two very different scenes. Very much Back so. in the 80s and 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we've got a lot of history with these bands and some great nightclubs, you know, Hammerjacks, the 930 Club, the Paragon, the Rage Network, um, Maxwell's, um, the Stone Balloon up in Delaware, um, you know, a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of them out there. There were some great concerts, some great bands that went through here. And we've also had a lot of great TV and news personalities over the years. If you've ever seen Weird Al Al Yankovic, UHF. Absolutely. Okay. Now, years ago, before like Fox was out there, um, there was really only um, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And then there was like um, public TV. And then there were other stations out there that were like the Weird Al Yankovic movie. They were just independent stations and they did their own news. You know, I mean, it was like maybe five. They had maybe like three people. (laughs) And it was like that. You know, they would put on they would invent their own children's shows and they would invent their own. Yeah. No, it wasn't public access. This was like, um, this was a fully running station, but they would go off the air at midnight and play the national anthem and um, have a reverend come on and say a prayer right before they went off the air, then play the national anthem. Then you got that test pattern all night. So there were a lot of people that were on television that became very, very beloved television personalities in this area. So I was like, you know, these stories need to be preserved. Oh, absolutely. And these stories need to be archived and preserved for future generations to hear, because this is actually part of our entertainment and performing arts absolutely. heritage. So I've had a lot of these folks on, you know, I've met some folks and where I've gotten some guests from all over the country. Uh, but my focus still has been in the mid Atlantic region. Um, and I've, and a lot of these folks I've known and, um, you know, and a lot of you know, word has gotten around, you know, I've, I've gotten a, a pretty good listenership in my area here. Now, you know, I do see right. hits from across the country and other countries, but right. I do have, um, a good number of, um, a good number of followers in this region. And, you know, these bands that from back in those days have been coming to me and being willing to be interviewed yeah. and it's got to be quite a popular thing. What about so, Malmstream? You mean Ingve okay. Malmstein? There. Thank you. Ingve Malmstein, the guitar player you mean from Sweden? I put, I put an R in it. Jeez. Yeah. No, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Ingve. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've seen him in concert a couple of times. I saw him. As a matter of fact, I had his singer on not too long ago, Jeff Scott Soto, uh, who sings with, who sang with Journey and also sang with Trans Siberian yeah. Orchestra. Yes. Does those Christmas tours with them. I've had him on. Um, I've seen Ingve Malmsteen quite a few times over the years, um, like at Hammerjacks when I was younger. And my first he, CD ever was that. Was, okay. Was him. Yeah, ever. And Mm -hmm. you know what? It was an accident. It was not supposed to come to me. I don't know who it was for, but the universe sent it to me because it ended up in my hands. Right, right, right. I saw that interview that you did with him. I was so excited and it was really cool. It was really cool. So everybody should that you should go check out his show because honestly, it's the greatest. Well, thank you. Thank you. Foul Players Radio. Foul Players Radio is what it's called. And we're on all the platforms. And um, we also have our own website with all the shows on it. But then we also have, um, oh, God, I mean, it's like you, you put it on Buzzsprout and it goes everywhere. And then over time, you get notifications that they accept. This one accepted it and that one accepted it. Yeah. But then some of them, they say they accepted it. You go in there and you can't find it. So I don't know who to believe. But um, that's podcasting, I guess. But. You know, a lot of people, you know, just listen to it off of Facebook, too. You know? Yeah. And a That's lot's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it has. A lot has happened, uh, Michael, since you and I have spoken last on a podcast, too. I mean, a lot has changed in my life, and I'm pretty sure everybody around me knows that, or anybody that follows me, really. Um, so, yeah, honestly, we all go through things, people. But Certainly. where you end up is, the you know, that's the important part. And uh, what do you, what kind of advice do you have to give coming to, we're going to step away from acting just a little bit and go a little Uh bit deeper here. So what advice do you have to give to people that are going through any kind of trials or tribulations right now that might be affecting them in the moment, but Uh you know, the future is more important. Keep your chin up, keep your chin up, keep your nose to the grindstone focus. Don't let things get you down. You know, there are going to be whenever you're going through a major change of life, because I've been in your shoes, too. I've been through that myself. Um, What you got to do, like I said, just keep your nose to the grindstone and focus. You get through it one day at a time. Today, you're going to you know, you're going to conquer today. Tomorrow, you're going to conquer tomorrow. And don't let things get get too down. You know, don't let yourself get too down on yourself. Believe in yourself. Have confidence in yourself. You can get through this can get through this because yeah, I, I went through, you know, uh, like I said, the same thing. Oh God, I guess about 15 years ago and it was a rough time for me in a lot of ways, but you know, I got through it. I got through it. And, um, what did you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, like I said, you know, things, you know, like I say, you, there's that saying out there, this too shall pass. Yeah. It may seem like it's taking forever to pass, it may seem like it's never going to pass, but it will pass. So just kind of keep telling yourself that right. and focus on yourself too. try to focus on yourself. Not only, you know, use this as a time to improve yourself. If there are things that you really wish you could do differently about yourself or things that you could be doing differently in life, start to focus on that, you know, develop good habits, If there's something that you absolutely don't like about yourself or if there's something that you wish you would not do anymore, or if there's a bad habit that you may have, spend this time on getting rid of that too. 
Good, good. You know, good, uh, very that's good. how I got through things. You know, that's kind of how I got through things. And um, yeah, and I've been through stuff too. You know, I've, I've been at, um, I've, I've been in some rough situations over the years, but you know, my father was one who always told me and the way he kind of taught me these things was the way he taught me how to play sports. And he would always say, you know, if you're playing a sport and you're winning and you're creaming somebody, don't get too high on yourself. If you're, you know, losing, don't get too down on yourself. And, you know, what he did is he used to take me and um, <laughs> I learned this lesson a lot. The analogy that he made, he kind of demonstrated these points by watching the 1970s Orioles. <laughs> he used to take me to those games because in 79, when I was 10 years old and I was playing Little League, um, that was the year the term Orioles magic because they went to the World Series and they lost. But they had a lot of come from behind walk off victories, you know, victories where they won in the bottom of the ninth or they came from great odds to win games and things right. like that. And he, he would always say, look, you know, that guy had two strikes on him. You know, he didn't give up. He just hit a home run. Yeah. Look, the Orioles were down by three in the bottom of the ninth and they kept it together and they won the game. Right. You know, they shut the other team down. You know, they How played do you as a team. success yeah. or failure. It's up right. to you. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. even as a team, even as an individual, it's that, but also the not giving up, it's the not giving up right. focus, you know, and just put your best effort at it. That's, that's all you can do. I felt that that was for me, Michael. Thank you. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it felt well, hey. directed at me. No, but no, it's really great advice for honestly anybody. And I wholeheartedly agree with all of it. Just like keep going no matter what essentially is what I get from that. And just like, don't give up. Right. Right. And what's that? What's, what was that thing? You remember um, the body by Jake guy? Oh yeah. He had that ex he, before he was on that show, brother Jake or whatever it was, you know, Jake <laughs> Steinfeld, I think his name was. Yeah. He had an exercise okay. show. It was called body by Jake. And it was one of those things. It was like, you know, he'd bring people on and he'd be doing, Hey, yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> exercise here. And then he would say, you know, for people who got discouraged over exercising, he would do that poem at the end. It would say, you know, it's when things seem worse, you should not quit or you must not quit. It always gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's what he was saying. Um, he says, well, stick to what I, I can't remember the rest of the poem, but it's always like, you know, you know just do not quit. You know, right. it's when things seem roughest, you should not quit. So absolutely. hundred percent yeah. agree. Thank you for those words of advice. Sure. Sure. So I want to, I'll, I'll take this part out between you and I. So do you want to like, maybe do like a little improv or something? Like, do you want to sure. start with something? And I'll, I'll say like, Hey, Michael, want to do some improv or something? And yeah, yeah. Whatever um, happens, it, happens. As a matter of fact, I sent you a, a script. It's kind of an outline for one of the shows we just did. And um, the opening scene and I play a character named Mr. Dangerous, or actually his name is Dan Jarris. And oh, Dan Jarris, I see. And you play a consumer advocate. And Dan Jarris has a company called Dan Jarris Toys, which should be called Dangerous Toys because he puts out horribly dangerous toys. And children all over the place are getting maimed and burned and, you know, sick. <laughs> and so what um, is it for? So um, what I could do is come out and I could play Dan Jarris. If you want to play the activist, you just tell me how horrible each toy is. Okay. And then I'll just kind of respond to you. I'll describe the toy. and You can be, that's awful. How could you sell something like okay, that? Okay, let's do it. I'm not even going to look at this. 
Okay. Boom. All right. Okay. So starting here. Three, two, one. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to the 2021 Games and Gadgets Convention. My name is Mr. Dan Jarris, and I've got a lot of my toys here to show off because it's June 25th, and you know what that means. It means the Halloween candy's already put away, and they're starting to get out the Christmas stuff. Isn't that right, folks? Huh? So I've got plenty of things to get for the uh, for the little ones uh, this year. Something we just developed. It's, it's a glow-in-the-dark modeling clay that we've made out of recycled nuclear waste. It's called Glodo. It's a blast. The kids just love it. The kids absolutely love it. How long is this supposed to last? Well, I'm not sure what the half-life is on it, but, you know, um, it's it's just, it's a great toy because you save a lot of electricity with it, okay? You save a lot of electricity. The kids can just walk around with a big wad of it in their hands, and they can see their way from room to room. You don't have to put a, a nightlight in their room. You can just have glowing Nuclear waste in their room oh. that they're playing with. Oh, so this is what the country's doing now. Well, hey, you know, it's recycling, right? You know, everybody says to recycle. And uh, we have a lot of jobs that we're creating from this because I believe in preserving jobs for the working man in this country. And recycling is good for the environment. So we've got these this great new toy, Glodo, that the kids just love. Hmm. Glodo. Okay, well, I put down C- for that one. Not you, uh, well, not you on Michael Spedden, but on the <laughs> character and Glodo, radioactive waste, toys made of it. Nice. Yes. <laughs> you know, and the, the, the next thing we have too, another that proves to be a big seller this season called the Blamo high powered pellet gun. It can vaporize a full grown moose at 1500 yards. Oh. The kids just love it, you know, and that's good too, because that's good for for the environment because you're not leaving a lot of rotting dead animals around. You know, once you shoot the animal, it just vaporizes and uh, you know, the kids just love it. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great fun. Is, is this scientifically proven? Yes, it's scientifically proven. You want to see, you see that moose over there? Ready? <laughs> now you see him. Now you don't. Wow. <laughs> I am just blown away. literally blown away by that shot. And so was the moose. <laughs> very, very good. So is this something that you're, is this a script that you're working on or something upcoming? This is a script we've been performing. You know, I wrote the story and the thing is, is that there's no real set dialogue for this. So it's kind of loosely, it's, it's kind of, I guess you could loosely call it improv. You know, we have a story that we go by, we have different points. And, you know, and the thing is, after we do these shows from time and time again, you know, uh, we get to know what jokes work and what jokes don't. Right. And we experiment sometimes too. And we, we, you know, we do take risks and we've had a couple of jokes call fall flat on their face <laughs> and we've never done them again. But you know, what's interesting too, Love it. is that we do this on a train and on the train, there are four cars on the train, sometimes three or four. We're doing that show four times. Okay. So there's five characters in a show. There's the cop and four others and everybody interacts with each other and they're dropping clues and hints the whole time. And, you know, so we're doing it, you know, from car to car to car to car and then yeah. we swap characters then they do another scene car to car to car to car and the thing is when we've done this which is very interesting there have been jokes that have gone over absolutely huge 
everybody hit the deck when we told, you know, a joke or something in a scene. We get to the next car and it's crickets, you know, so sometimes it's kind of hard to predict. Um, but, you know, we, we have a good time with this stuff. You know, I've, I've been very, very blessed. I took over the company. I started working with this um a theatrical company uh, when it was called Otter Productions run by Herb Otter back in 2016 is when I joined. And then Herb decided he wanted to do something else and sold the company to me at the beginning of 19. And, you know, he had a number of shows that he did and then I wrote some new ones and a couple of the other members of the group have written some new ones. And I brought in some folks I'd done theater with, and there were some old standbys that were with the group too. Yeah, you have quite a connection. Oh yeah. Uh, web, Michael. Yeah. Like you oh really yeah. You have a very impressive web of people that you've worked with, including well, thanks. wonderful Liz. Yeah. Pre- I love Liz Priestley. Everybody knows that she worked yeah, with yeah. just saying yeah. Michael knows her. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah, she's, she's delightful. She's really, really nice. Yes. And, um, yeah, and like I said, you know, a couple of my foul players, um, I have uh, Jill Redding who's in my group. Yeah. Jill was Dolores, the barmaid in season two of the liar. So um, cool. If you remember the season with the, uh, that was based around the port, the Polish dock workers. And then, um, I've had, uh, Robert Lovett who's with us and he was a puppeteer. He worked with Kevin clash years ago. Kevin clash ended up going to Sesame street and being oh, Elmo. Wow. Um, we've had, you know, Greg Crow that I'd mentioned who'd done Gotham and he had done, um, the politician and he played the principal in a movie called eighth grade that was just out. Um, and then a lot of the folks that I've had in the group have worked on things like, um, Oh, house of cards was being filmed in Maryland. Uh, the veep homicide, the wire, all of the DC type sounding shows were filmed in DC. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, filmed in Baltimore and DC. Yeah. They, They're in Baltimore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I've been, uh, like I said, I've been very lucky with the f- group of folks that I've had. And, um, you know, we've been, everybody has a good time. You know, nobody's a problem. You know, uh, everybody gets along. Everybody supports each other, yeah, which is something that, you know, I have to say I'm, I'm very happy with. I love that. That's so important to feel connected to the people that you're with and we're in mm-hmm. any kind of working environment because acting is work. Everybody out there, mm-hmm. we love our actors and our musicians and our creatives because uh-huh. we all have the same collective, amazing brain. Mm-hmm. Well, not really, but we're all a little bit different, but it's, it's really just creative <laughs> people, period. I, I, that's who I want to surround myself with. So it's mm-hmm. been honestly so far in honor and always is with you, Michael, having you on the show and talking to you a little bit about everything that's going on with you. So uh, let's go back a little bit to be, before he started acting and you were in a lot of bands and everything. You were yep. very musically inclined. So how did that all begin for you? I, when I was a kid, I, again, I was a kid. I grew up in the seventies and I think the first thing that really got to me that you know, really got me interested in music. I had, um, a hippie uncle Cool. and, um, my dad and his brother, uh, my father grew up in the sixties, but he grew up like in the twilight zone, leave it the beaver sixties. He was very clean cut. <laughs> yeah. And then, cut. yeah, yeah. Right. He had the flat top, the Johnny United's flat top and everything. And then, um, his brother 
was um, you know a hippie. Uh, he grew up in the later part of the sixties. Uh, was yeah. a hippie, and when he would watch us when we were little, you know, he would play Peter Paul and Mary records and the Beatles, and we used to love Yellow Submarine, and he would play that for us. And then uh, we ended up, uh, and then I ended up getting into Kiss because I think Ooh. all little boys in the seventies loved Kiss. And How can he not? Right, right, right. So I got into that. And then I also um, used to like 50s music because okay. there used to be a lot of commercials on those old KTEL commercials with, you know, sounds of the 50s. And they would have like Little Richard and Chuck Berry and Elvis and, and cigarettes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it would have it was like one of those Camels. like greatest hits of the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Albums. And they used to play those. I used to love the music to them and everything. And I wanted to, you know, and, and I enjoyed doing that. Um, so, you know, as I got a little bit older, my parents finally let me get my first bass when I was, oh, about 13. I got it for Christmas. And I just been learning how to play. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, they were kind of apprehensive about it because the thing is, is that, you know, we grew up in a blue collar area and, um yeah, there were a lot of people in that area that, you know, um, drugs kind right. of, you know, kind of started the area. And a lot of the people that got into that stuff, about 80% didn't get out. So there was kind yeah. of a drug problem Aww. in the area where I grew up. And my parents didn't were afraid that I was going to start getting involved with that kind of stuff if I started playing music and everything. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I started playing in high school and, um, you know, my parents, you know, and, and then I you know, started playing in clubs after I got out of high school. I have to say, I think the, the biggest years for me playing in full electric bands in clubs and things like that was between 87 and 94. Um, I was in a hair band called Fritz's Dynamite uh, from 87 Dynamite. until 89. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and we used to play a lot of clubs, you know, just around Baltimore. And then with, um, then the band I formed after that is, uh, this is Orange, Orange Seed Parade. Seed Parade. Yeah. Orange and we Seed were, Parade. We were really an off the wall kind of alternative band. We were kind of heavy. We had a sound that was kind of like the cult, the cure, I love I, the cure. Uh, it, it was that type of thing. And then sort of like a Danzig and Bauhaus and Bowie. Okay. Like that kind a of thing. David Bowie mixed with the cure. I, I can't say no to that. Orange. And the cult. Did you yeah. like the cult? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, I think it's Orange Seed Parade. Yep. And cool. we had, um, so we played a lot in uh, you know, Baltimore where we started and then, we started to branch out and play in DC. Now, the thing that was very interesting about the scene at the time was that we were very, um, Baltimore was very, very, very into the hair band thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Metallica all the way. DC was a lot more alternative and punk rock. Yeah. Okay. And the cure. when Orange Seed was around was when Guns N' Roses and Poison and all that stuff was kind of starting to taper off, but nobody really knew what the next thing was going to be. That was before Seattle really started to come up. Right. So what we tried to do was kind of figure out what the next thing was going to be. And you know, we had a lot of people that followed us and liked us in Baltimore, 
but DC, we felt like we really came home and we used to play a lot of clubs down there. And one of the clubs I remember playing was called the 15 minute club. The 15 minute club was like an art gallery almost. It had like a big white wall. There was no light show, but what they did is when we played, they had a projector and they showed the fantastic planet that movie up on the wall behind us. It was like this oh, sci-fi cool. cartoon. And so you have these big, you know, the, the creatures and the characters and that, you know, walking around behind you and everything. Um, another friend of mine that I interviewed, uh, Sean Kelly from tainted saints I had on, he was in a DC area band too. He told me when he played there that they had, um, they played 2001, a space odyssey the whole time behind them up on that wall. And the thing that was really neat about this place was I forgot my tuner. So I had to walk out of the club and go out to my van to get it. When I walked out front, this was at 15th and K in, um, and that is the area where whenever a Senator gets caught with a hooker, it's always there. Oh no. So when I walked out front, when I walked out front, okay, it was just starting to get dark and everything. And I looked and I thought I was on the set of a seventies, movie um like one of those 70s oh, um that's cool yeah. bell bottoms because, and everything well it was because of all the hookers out there like every five or ten feet was a hooker whoa and they were up with the fishnets and the mini skirts and the go-go boots so and fur. big hair Purple. and the pimps were out there and these guys were actually wearing the big hats with the feathers what? sticking out of it and the big fur coats and it was for real was it like snoop dog pimp or like pimp pimp like um oh uh superfly pimp 70s okay. i mean th- th- i That's thought i was in like a 70s movie wow you know? that's intense yeah and then um the 930 club treated us very very well uh we played there we got paid well which was unusual back in those days playing originals yeah, you know um but dc was always a lot more open minded you know baltimore and I always say this, and a lot of people that I've had on that played back in those days agree with me. They say Baltimore, the band sounded good. They looked good. They had excellent players, but they would not know original if they if it smacked them in the face with a frying pan. And that's kind of how it was, you know. And okay. so we ended up um, playing it, uh, you know, in Baltimore, we used to play the Rage, Maxwell's. Oh, God, where else was there? Um, oh God, the Ra- oh God, I'm drawing a blank. Um, uh, the Rage and Maxwell's and Chambers and the Grog and Tankard. And there were a lot of places, too, that ended up becoming clubs for minors where uh-huh. you could go if you were under drinking age, where they would have a hall and they would sell non-alcoholic drinks. Or not. And, <laughs> that was one of those people. Right, right. And <laughs> yeah. And so we would play at a lot of clubs like that. And um, we, uh, let me see. We would um, you know, play a lot of clubs like that and we would get shows there. So you know, we did a lot of stuff like that, too. You know, a lot of shows for and, and a couple of music stores had like a hall in the back. We would play those, too. But my favorite place that we played of all time was CBGB's in New York. CBGB's. Um, we got to go up there and perform. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's 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 a very famous. That was a real very famous cool. nightclub. It's gone now. I know but, about um, it, though. You know, the, so, that's so cool, Michael. What? Yeah, I mean, the bathroom was the bathroom was just as disgusting as they say. I am sure it was. Um, in the most beautiful you know, way. If you, drive, if you went in the bathroom and dropped your keys on the floor, you may as well burn them. You know, I mean, it was that Let's bad. Not. Yeah. Um, no. But yeah. 
Right. And that, that was a good experience too. So, you know, we got to play there and then, you know, there were college radio stations that would play our stuff. Um, Oh, let me see. Essex community college. And I think we sent some stuff out to a couple like, um, somewhere in California. I think it may have been like UC Berkeley had a, may have had a radio, one of them, one of the, uh, or maybe UCLA. I can't remember. Um, and then a couple of them in, yeah. And a couple of them in DC, a couple of them in, um, Philly played it. And then there was another station, which was really great called 97 underground. They were mostly a heavy metal station, but they would play our stuff too. Cause we did kind of have a hard edge, um, yeah. even though we weren't really metal right. and they would play us all the time. We actually went in and did an interview. I'm trying to get that tape from one of my old band members and, I'm trying to get that to play as a podcast episode just to kind of reminisce and everything. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, it did that for a long time. You know, the band broke up, you know, not everybody in the band was as, as enthusiastic as everybody else. So what can you do? You know, you can't wrestle somebody to a headlock and make them be in the band anymore if they don't want to. So the band kind of went kaput. And then um, I tried doing a couple of other things after that. Um, I stuck with, you know, my very good friend, Fritz, Fritz T. Fell after Orange Seed Parade. And then once that we we went to do something else, he wanted to kind of he was writing a lot of material that was a lot more like closer to like industrial music at the time, like ministry and um, that, that type of thing. I would go to band practice. And I would be like, you know, let's start playing some stuff like that or writing something like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing, you know. Um, <laughs> so I stopped doing it. And I kind of looked at life at the time. And I was like, you know, look, you know, I got to start finding a way to support myself better. You know, I wasn't right. finished my degree. So I went back and focused on my degree and getting myself established in a career, you know, working. Hey. So I went and did that for a couple of years. And then after I got divorced, I started playing again around 2004, 2005. So I took a good time off yeah. of performing. Um, and once you a know, performer, always a performer, though. It was in my blood. You know, it was yeah. in my blood. And I had to start doing it again. I had mm-hmm. to start doing it again. It's, and it's impossible, um, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're a creative person, you just cannot, it's a part of you and you have to do it. Absolutely. Speaking of creativity, Mm -hmm. cut here, Tina. Did you see what I just texted you? Yes. Okay. You want to like, I will cut out anything that's bad or doesn't sound like it makes you look amazing. So do you want to like try to run through this? It's supposed to be like, I mean, we can make it as funny or as not funny as we want. Let's just see what happens. Oh, oh, this. Oh, okay. Monologues. Um, Did you get the one I sent? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Last Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, sure. uh, we could do this. Yeah. Are you, okay. Are you okay with this? Do you like, how do you see this yep. going? Fast paced, slow paced? Well, it sounds to me like they're kind of tired and they're kind of cranky. So I can't see them being the most peppy. Okay. So let's both be cranky. We're going to be cranky. Cranky with Michael yeah, Spedder. Kelly. Oh, man. Yes. Monologueblogger.com. Last Wednesday is the name of this. So here we go. I'm Linda. Mm-hmm. He's Marvin. <sighs> I'm exhausted. Oh, good take a nap. No, I have too much to do. 
Let it be then. I'm running on empty. Go have some coffee. No, I'm not in the mood for coffee. No, let it be then. I can't keep my eyes open. Go and put water on your face. I I can't be bothered to walk to the bathroom. Let it be then. Did I tell you what happened to me last Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Uh, when he fell down the stairs. When did I fall down the stairs? Last Wednesday. No, I didn't. <laughs> yes, you did. No, I never fell down the stairs. Yes, you did. Oh. What? <laughs> that was Bill. Oh, that makes sense. So I didn't tell you about last Wednesday. Tell me. I. I. Again. Yeah. Damn. I'd like to punch you in the face. Excuse me. It's why your nose is bleeding. I thought about how I would like to take a swing at your nose to stop you from talking. It's my fault. Sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. I wish it was you who fell down the stairs last Wednesday. What? You, not Bill. It doesn't work. What did you think would happen? I thought of something that happened to you and it didn't work. Uh, oh, <laughs> did you see I thought anything? that you'd flash me. Oh, did you? Know, see- but a man can dream. D- did you see it? What? No. You missed it. Damn. Okay. So if, if you were to kill someone, how would you go about killing that someone? Depends on the person and what they did. Let's say I wanted to kill you. How should I do it? The best way to kill me? Yeah. Run me down with a car. You think? Sure. Why not? Duly noted. Screw this day. Right? <sighs> Screw this freaking day all day. Right. You know, there's not one man in this entire company that I would screw. Is it because I smell? It's because your face smells. Right. So I smell okay to you? Your face and your scent match, actually. Bravo. Look, I'm going to go up to the roof and just throw myself off. Take care. Thanks. (laughs) Good job, Michael. And scene. (laughs) And scene. That was beautiful. Love it. I feel like we have so, so much more to cover that we can't do it in one episode of perfect amount mm-hmm. of the sweet spot of podcast time. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have to yeah, do it number yeah. two here. <laughs> Not that kind though, guys. Ew. So we, we are mm-hmm. going to have to have a part two. I think that would be really fun to do. Sure. Anytime, anytime. Just let me know, Tina. It was great to catch up with you and everything here. Absolutely. Super fun talking to you as well. Even though things have been rocky, everybody that's listening, you probably sort of know what's kind of happening, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and Michael, please give us your socials and everywhere we can find you. And all my plugs and everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you can find my podcast, www.foulplayersradio.com. Uh, you can find my website for murder mysteries, uh, foulplayersofperryville.com. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, Michael Spedden on Facebook. I have a page there. I have a Twitter page, even though I'm still getting 
um, used to using it. I have an Instagram page, I think, but I, I get behind on that. Um, I also have a foul players radio and foul players of Perryville, Twitter and Instagram. And then um, you can also find me um, if you watch morning TV, TV shows in the morning. I'm usually the JG Wentworth commercial rolls around on ID Ooh. discovery a lot. And um, a couple of other ones too. Uh, it pops up from time to time, just about everywhere. Um, and then, but it's on daytime TV a lot. And then uh, you can also find me on um, Netflix, uh, Gotham season five, episode eight. You can find me in Kimmy versus the Reverend, not the regular Kimmy uh, Schmidt series, but Kimmy versus the Reverend movie is on Netflix. And um, that's pretty much it. I just want to say again uh, to my Gotham friends on Twitter, you guys are the best. I love you. Um, I love all my foul players. I love my beautiful wife who has helped me along quite a bit with this. And um, again, Tina, I thank you for having me. I really thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been an honor to speak with you as always. I always have a great time talking to you. You've got so much knowledge, so much to share. I mean, there's way more that we could talk about if only we had all the time in the world. And we can. Exactly. As actors, we do have all the time in the world. Michael, you have a fantabulous night, and I will be talking to you very soon. Well, thank you, Tina. The best of luck to you and everything, and thanks again. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening.